I think about 10 um, readers now that have gotten the opportunity to do pre-reads. Um, and I think that that has been the number one comment thus far is that they're surprised that it's not a weight loss book. I think naturally people assume that was what it was gonna be about. And I'm not gonna say that there's not an undertone of that in the book, but that's not the central theme. I think you would agree. I completely agree. And I think that, and you know, not to get off too much tra- to- yeah. topic, but, um, but weight loss is never about weight loss. It, you don't gain no. weight and just say, I'm gonna reverse this. There's some underlying issue that yeah. always has to be solved for you to figure out so that you can lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm actually hoping um, that this book gets some exposure with um, some of our fellow coaches. Um, because I think that one of the biggest misnomers about people that need to lose a lot of weight or even just some weight, but when obesity is a problem, um, I think that there's this under misunderstanding, shall I say, that all they need to do is stop eating. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Radowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Today I am going solo because we have a very, very special guest with us today. My close personal friend, Athena Perez. Hey everybody, I am so excited to be here. So for those of you who don't know, Athena was featured in a CrossFit documentary. It was posted on uh, the journal a few years back, 2018, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it was called The Famished, The Force-Fed, and 450 Pounds, and Finally Fit. Mm-hmm. And back then, I actually stumbled across this video when I was uh, per- perusing the journal back then. And that's how I kind of first got to know Athena. And so what was it like doing that documentary? Was, was that a good experience for you? Um, oh, yeah. But it, it was really scary. I, you know, I didn't, I'd never done anything like that before. So I had like no idea what to expect. You know, the guy came out here to do the filming and started asking me a bunch of questions. And I, I really had no idea what was, you know, what the end result of the, of the video was going to be. So I, 
I was nervous and scared and I, I didn't know what was going to come about it, honestly. Well, and that's actually the person who filmed that is the mutual friend. Right. That, that um, kind of hooked us up and, and then we became fast friends because we've been through a lot of different things together. We really uh, have. And so it's been really great having you as a friend and being able to talk through that. So immediately after that documentary, you kind of had an instant, uh, instant shot to fame and not like fame, like LA fame, but yeah. in the CrossFit world, mm -hmm. you kind of became famous pretty quick. If you call it famous, but yeah, I, yeah, it, the video was, um, impactful, I think for a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people and I'm, you know, I'm blessed for that. And so right after that, you actually, you got to fly out to HQ. Mm -hmm. You got to do a podcast with Savon on the old CrossFit podcast. Yes. And I looked at, I watched that a little bit today just to kind of remember some of the subject matter from that. Oh, um, that, that has like, that has tens of thousands of views. Unreal. It, I, I'm still mind blown. I'm still mind blown how, how, um, how many people saw the original um, journal story. And then, yeah, Savon's podcast. And, um, you know, sometimes it still doesn't matter what CrossFit box I go to. People will be like, Hey, I know you. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. And so you got to do a couple neat things because of mm -hmm. that, right? You yep. got to do the team series with some pretty cool people. I did. I did. Uh, um, a really good friend of mine, Abby went with me and, um, we did team series with Ro and, um, Adrian and, um, Noah and, um, who am I missing? Uh, so you're talking Adrian Bosman. Yes. And you're talking, um, Noah Olson. Noah Olson. And Travis Mayer, was he there too? Travis. Thank you. Yeah. See, I listen when we talk. <laughs> and yeah, so that it was, was, um, was a lot of fun. Yeah. So you got a lot of really cool, fun experiences out of that. Um, I did. But, th but there was one small drawback and that is because a lot of people just wanted to talk to you. Uh, you had inspired them so much through all of that, uh, that mm -hmm. there was a lot of people reaching out to you. You know, we should, you know, I mean, we should probably clarify when we say drawback, right? Like there was so many that, um, that, I mean, the downside is that I, there wasn't enough, you know, there wasn't enough time in the day to, um, to write back every single person that had reached out. It, I mean, it was getting stressful because, you know, like I wanted them to know how meaningful it was and, um, the fact that every single one of these people would, you know, take time out of their day to send these, I mean, just beautiful messages, you know? And um, so, I mean, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me, but yeah, that the drawback was that there was just so many. And you, you have a heart that wants to respond to every single person. I do. I mean, I think naturally everybody would just, I mean, in them, you know, appreciation and gratitude and um, I just, it never got old. Um, but also that feeling of, you know, wow, you know, like these people took time out of their day to send me, um, you know, like a high five or a hug or a, uh, it was just, it was so moving. And I, you know, getting to know you, I, I see that heart in you that you just, you want to help as many people as you possibly can. 
I, I do, you know, but define, you know, I, sometimes I feel so limited in what I can do, you know. So then, then there was a couple years before today. So where that was 2018. Right. And I want to fill people in on kind of what happened uh, between 2018 and now, because uh-huh. we ended that with you losing what, 200 pounds. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then there's a gap and some major things happened to you in those two years. Golly. Yeah. And so if people watch the documentary, uh-huh. uh, you, you have, uh, you had a condition with your leg. Yes. Um, so I, I wasn't going to try to pronounce it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, like, how do I explain it? Um, okay. So there was multiple things kind of um, working against me. So there was um, osteoarthritis, which just is a natural, you know, it's what happens when you have hundreds of extra pounds on your joints for, you know, so long. Um, it's just a natural breakdown of the knees. And then on top of that, um, on the right-hand side, um, I had Blount's disease. So it, it's just a really fancy word for a bowing of the leg. So somehow, um, we don't know how it happened, but when I was around eight or nine, the leg just started bowing outward. It's a, it's a growth um, it's a growth disorder of the tibia. So it just, your legs, instead of growing straight, like most legs should, my right side just, it bowed out. So as I got older um, and hundreds of pounds were put on the knees for just so long, the knees just, they had finally just had enough. And that's a condition, the bowing of the leg is a condition that generally is a, a kid is put into a brace. Yes. And, and that is corrected. Uh, but for those of the people that did not see your documentary, you went through a lot of abuse as a child. I did. And that, that is one thing that didn't get corrected that probably should have. Um, you know, it's funny that you ask, it's funny that you say that um, because, you know, we've, we've talked to, um, you know, a lot of specialists over the years and they can't really deny or confirm that repeated blows to the leg didn't have something to do with the issue. Like normally what happens, I tell everybody, um, um, you know, if anybody has seen the movie like Forrest Gump, um, like he had these braces on his legs. Well, he had the same thing. So typically what would happen is as soon as it's identified, um, a a child is put into these braces, you know, and then they wear these braces until the leg um, is straight. But yes, with what I grew up with, um, I was never taken to the doctor. And I mean, one can only assume, but, you know, going to a doctor's office, a doctor would see, you know, the abuse. So I suspect that's why um, it didn't get seen, you know, fast enough. And we'll get into a little of those details a little bit later, but, um, yeah. but as, we're, as we're moving through the, those two years. Yeah. Um, there needed to be an operation, both on your knees. Mm-hmm. And while they were in there correcting your knees, I, you had knee replacement surgery, correct? I, I had totally replacements on both sides. With right. um, There was a little extra work that had to be done on the right side because they actually had to cut into the, the femur and the tibia. 
So um, the right side was a little bit more challenging than the left, but two, um, so they went back to back. And then they corrected the bowing of that leg while they were in there, correct? They did, they did. And that was extremely painful. I don't know if painful, yeah, like it, it was horrible. The, uh, I don't know if anything could have adequately prepared me for um, the recovery on that one. So right before all this happened and you had to have those surgeries, mm-hmm. you, you had actually thought about writing a book. Yes. And you had begun um, the process a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think I first got like that. Um, I mean, maybe I thought about it before. I mean, it, I kind of always knew that I would, I know that sounds kind of weird. Cause I never really thought, you know, I never really put that much thought into it, but, um, I think I first got that, you know, that little voice. I talk about that little voice in the book a lot, um, to write, um, when I was in California, um, doing the podcast and a lot of it had to do with, um, the questions, um, that Savan was asking. Um, and partly because it's just, there was so much more to the story, you know, like people see this, um, this nine minute video and they get, uh, you know, a tiny little snippet of your life. And, um, I felt like I wanted to, to, to tell the rest of it. That makes sense. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you had that thought, um, the surgeries came and then because of the pain, you were on medication that just wouldn't allow you to, to keep going on that aspect for a little while. Okay. So, so here's what happened. So I started writing the book and, um, it, it got a, like, it was a rocky start because I didn't know how to tell the story. Um, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know how I was going to write this thing in a way that was going to make sense to other people. <laughs> and, uh, um, so I started writing it. I, I was working at the time, quit my job and, um, said, I'm going to do this thing. And this is, you know, this is what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So I quit my job, took the next six months off to get this book written. So in January of last year, the, like the heart, the meat of the book was done. Um, but then in April is when the surgery started. And again, you know, like I didn't realize when I, I knew that the surgeries were going to have to be done. You know, there was never any question. I knew it was coming, but I underestimated um, how I was going to feel. I, I don't know why I didn't connect all the dots. You know, I thought I was just going to go in and have surgery and then, you know, bada bing, six weeks later, I'd be back in the, in the group, but that's not what happened. So yeah, there was about eight months where I kind of had to put everything that I was working on just, you know, on the back burner and, and wait for recovery. Well, and I don't want to, I don't want to miss the chance to talk about CrossFit a little bit. We are a CrossFit mm-hmm. podcast uh, and CrossFit played a major role in you losing the weight um, and how we kind of connected is we both went through some trauma after losing a lot of weight, you yeah. with the surgeries, mm-hmm. uh, me with my back injury. And 
trying to get back healthy enough so that you could walk back in a box. Yeah. For someone that was as big as you and I, yeah. that first walk-in is so hard. You and know, then to have to go through it again, I yeah. think it was almost harder the second time. I was just going to ask you the same question. You know, like, did you, did you find the first one harder? Because I found the second one more difficult. And I'll let you tell me, like, I'm, I'm, I think that we both share the same views on why that was, but I think the second time was harder. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. So wh- why was it that way for you? So the first time I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what yeah. I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was so supportive when I got there before I really even knew what I was signing up for. Yeah. And then I couldn't say no to the people. And by that time you're already hooked in, reeled, um, and, and just on the groove and moving. Totally. That second time I knew <laughs> what to expect and I knew my body wasn't going to be able to do what it used to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it was for me too. Um, I think for me, um, you know, the second time I walked into the box, I wasn't first time I walked in the box, at least I was walking. Um, the second time, um, I couldn't do anything. I, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even, um, get up off the rower without having to, you know, align the rower just, you know, just like just perfect with, you know, the ropes that came down from the ceiling so that I could hoist myself on and off the rower. I I just felt so powerless and, you know, the legs aren't working properly. They're not moving properly. And so trying to do those movements the first time, um, I, I honestly believed like that first visit that, you know, CrossFit was going to be, it was going to be over you know, for me. It's funny you say that. Cause I actually did that with the rower as well. Once where I, really? I put it by the, the rope yep. because my back just wasn't strong enough, like no, to yeah. just hop off something anymore. Um, it, I had to be braced and I had to yep. do it gingerly. And, uh, it was just a different experience. You know, same thing with the knees, you know, um, you don't realize how, one-on-one, you don't realize how much you use your legs, right? Um, But then you don't realize how much of a bend that you need to have, you know, to do certain activities, like get yourself up off a rower. You know, you don't realize how how low a rower is until you try to get up off of one and then realize that you have to have a 90-degree bend or, or more just to get yourself up, you know? That was hard. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think I'd make it. Yeah. And it's, it's just all that work you did to make it easy. All of a sudden just became hard again. And all that work was in front of you again. And now, you know, you yeah. know what you have to do. Yeah. Brutal. It was, it sucked. It did. It sucked. <laughs> Dude, it sucked. Um, I, 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 to have to go back through all that a second time was, was brutal. And then there was the weight gain too, you know, um, I put on, um, 42 pounds with surgeries and that's not because of the surgery, you know, let's correct that. You know, I was pounding chocolate chip muffins, feeling sorry for myself. Um, 
thinking that, you know, my crossfitting days were over. So it was a lot of pity, self-pity. But now you have to go back. And not only do you have to go back and learn how to do everything over again, but now you got to repeat some of the progress that you made. So it was brutal. It is. I did the same thing. I put on, I put on more than 42 pounds uh, mm-hmm. during my back injury and still fighting that fight. Um, but we'll get there. And, and see, you're back is, at it. Yeah. But I mean, like, this is what people don't understand is that if you don't know about me and Scott, this is why I think we connected as quickly as we did because we shared that in common and we both understood um, what that felt like because we felt like, I mean, Scott, I don't want to speak for you, Scott, but I, I felt like I let myself down and I let, you know, all those people that were out there rooting for me down, you know, and then I had to do it all, you know, you got to do it all over again, not all over again, but you know what I mean? There's nothing worse than having to repeat some of that progress. Yeah. You're not supposed to make me cry on this podcast, (laughs) but yeah, talking to you is like, it's almost like a mirror and you could finish my sentences because you've been through the same thing. And it was just, yeah, yeah. It was just, the fact that Mike hooked us up and we got to share that together uh, was awesome. And I've been wanting to do this podcast with you forever. I know. I know. We've literally been talking about it for a long time. For, for those of you that don't know, his name is Mike Coslap. You should look him yeah. up on Instagram. Yeah, he's a pretty amazing guy too. He's, he's, the, he's the shoot. <laughs> you can say shit on our podcast. <laughs> he's the shit. Yeah. He's great. Um, so you, you went through the surgery, you mm-hmm. got back to the box. Yep. Um, and you had to go through something a little even more traumatic. You had to find kind of a new box. And that wasn't an easy process. Because right. with everything we go through, you have to have the right coach that's willing to give you that time and, and to teach you how to scale. And especially for the injury that you're going through. You and I both have an L1. Yep. Um, so we know like how to scale a normal athlete, but it doesn't necessarily mean that your experience is there where you can, you can scale through an injury. That, and can we be objective enough with ourselves that we're able to, to scale ourselves because we can't get out of our own head. Right. So that's part of it too. Yeah. And you did end up finding an, an amazing gym and an amazing coach. I did. Uh, that you've been working with for the last uh, four months, maybe? Um, it, it's been almost six months, actually. I've been oh, with wow. my coach. Yeah, time I know. Flies time flies. <laughs> like, <laughs> where did all the time go? Yeah. yeah. Um, my new coach is Addison Bain. He's, um, he's phenomenal. Um, and he can scale... I mean, not even scale, but just to have the patience to, to work with somebody through an injury. It's hard. Um, you know, we had to learn, um, believe it or not, when, you know, the, the, the kind of the training progression that's kind of happened is um, just like learning how to step up and down off of a plate, like a simple 25-pound plate to a 45-pound plate. And then um, working our way back up to, um, you know, like a, like a 12 inch box. And there's just been a lot of progressions, you know, picking up a bar, having the training bar too heavy. 
Um, and it's not just that that you're fighting. It's how do I explain this? Um, knowing where you used to be is what's going on in your head that entire time. So like I could pick up a bar and, you know, deadlift, for instance, you know, I could put two or 300 pounds on the bar and um, not rattle me at all. Um, my first day back to the gym, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't even pick up a bar with two tens. It was too heavy. And, you know, like all I wanted to do was cry because I didn't know, I just couldn't believe it. And you've come pretty far in six months. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're rocking and rolling, getting these, um, the legs are getting very strong. Um, it, it's taken a while, but, you know, they're, I can walk and we started um, trying to learn how to run. Um, I don't have any interest in running, I, <laughs> but I just want to be able to do it. So, um, you know, he's teaching me how to use the legs and um, just to get them working like you do when you run. But if you've never run in your life, you know, it's like teaching your feet how to land. And, you know, it's all that cool stuff that I can learn how to do now that the legs are working right. So now that we've got everybody caught up to kind of where you are today. Yeah. Um, your book that you have been working on yes. and had to put aside for eight months has been finished. And you gave me the honor of being able to read the book prior to it coming out. Yes. And I know, and I know, and we're going to let disclaimer, uh, there have been changes made to the book since I've read it. <laughs> so I can't wait to see the minor, minor changes. Um, so the addition was the lesson. So that's kind of what you're missing. And of course, some of the editing. So you don't, right. you know, you're going to um, get to read the book again without all my grammatical errors. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I want to talk about the book. Okay. Um, what, what was your motivation behind wanting to do it? Um, you know, I talk about it in the book and I, I'm hoping that I'm able to explain it here. Um, we I don't want to give, like we don't was, give too much away of the book. We don't do we? Cause they're, they're huge surprises. They're, it, for I gotta stay, my, and I want to be the first critic to say it is the best book I have read in a very, very long time. That's a that's a huge compliment. It really and is. Th there are turns and twists that you just cannot predict. Um, and it is, and we don't want to spoil that for any reader that's going to pick up the book. But we're going to talk about general themes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so your motivation. I know you talk about, and, and I, yeah, you go ahead and try to explain because it I is know. hard. It's going to be hard to explain kind of uh, without giving too much away. It kind of is right. You know, and I was nervous about that too. Um, even just coming on here because I was like, I, people have asked me that question before, you know, like Athena, what is your book about? And I'm like, well, so so I have three big themes from your book. Yeah. Right. And maybe that'll help because that'll, uh, it's a little bit ahead in my notes, but so, <laughs> okay. so my, my first theme is that the book is about you trying to run away from your problems. Um, yeah. And, That's a great theme. and 
for those who did not see the documentary, um, you went through hell as a child. Yes. And I, I don't, and if you saw the documentary, there's even more that happens that was not said in the documentary. Uh, my heart broke for you, that little girl, and what you had to go through. And just briefly, if you want to touch on that your parents got a divorce when you were very young. Yeah. And you had to go live with your stepmom and your dad. Well, she moved in. Okay. Um, so my mom left and um, she moved in. And I want to say they were married within like a year and a half of my mom moving out. So it was a very, you know, relatively, you know, quick dating period and, and her move in. Um, but yes, uh, it started shortly after they got married and she moved in and it went on. Uh, I was almost 11 um, when I moved out. So you're talking pretty close to seven years. And she put you through hell. It, it was, and, and I think you posted on your social media recently yeah. that she gave you the book Cinderella. She did. And said, because you and Cinderella had so much in common. Mm-hmm. You know, I had um, somebody come, well, a lot of people commented on that. That was just yesterday, right? Um, somebody said, you know, what do you think she meant by that? <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, well, I think she was up to no good when she wrote that. Um, I, I asked her about it. I think I was like nine. And uh, I took the book to her and I was like, what did you mean by this? And, um, you know, very sarcastically, like she always was, she said, well, Athena, you are a princess, just like Cinderella. So that's why I wrote it. And, you know, like, even at nine, you know, you can feel the, um, what's, a, what's a good word? Sarcasm. Yeah, it was. But stronger. Yeah. I don't, what's a stronger word than sarcasm, right? Like, um, I'm lacking dictionary words here. It, it, I knew it wasn't good. Yeah. Like, okay, she, she was being sarcastic. And her track record at that point was, was really bad with you. I mean, she was, she was starving you. Uh, she wanted you to lose weight. Um, yep. She would force feed you at other times. Yep. Uh, and, if, and there were times where you had to like store food in your bedroom so that you wouldn't be so hungry through the week. Yeah, I did a lot. You know, even, even when I moved in with my mom, um, you know, she, she'd come in my room and she'd find stuff when she was cleaning up my room or she was, you know, gathering my clothes to do laundry and stuff. And she'd find all this stuff and, um, you know, she'd ask me about it and I couldn't tell her how anything got there. Like that habit was so firm by that point that I couldn't explain it to her ever when she'd ask about it. I don't know how the stuff got there. But yeah, yeah, she'd find stuff all over my room, in my drawers, in my dresser, under my bed. And it could be anything, you know, like um, cans of food, boxes of crackers. I mean, it really didn't matter what it was. It was like a mouse stockpiling cat food. Yeah, and I remember you saying like even frozen loaves of bread you would put in your room so you'd have something to eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
one of the big stories from the documentary that really like just angered me was 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 the soup and the salad Mm -hmm. that she set in front of you it was a pot and a in a family size bowl of salad yeah and and forced told you you had to eat it all you know saw the backstory to that right so there was a backstory that wasn't talked about in the in the documentary so she was mad at me because the day before I had gotten caught with food. So it was something that happened pretty regularly. I wasn't like, you know, a criminal, you know, I was, I was young. So I got caught sneaking food all the time. So it was just another time. It was countless, countless, countless times um, that I got caught. And when I say I got caught, um, it, it was usually like in the middle of the night, you know, like I'd be sneaking in the kitchen to go get something. And, and she'd wake up cause she slept on the couch. So the, the living room with the couch was right next to the kitchen. So she'd hear me and um, she'd wake up and she'd catch me in the act. So this happened to be one of those times where I think it had happened so many times that I, I feel like she was just, ah, you know, she, she snapped. And um, so when we walked in, to the house that day and she had put this bowl of salad and this soup at the end of the table like i knew already when she pointed and she goes athena that's your seat right there and i knew with all that food there like oh i didn't know she was gonna make me eat it all but like i knew what was going down And she did make you eat it all to the point that you you ended up throwing up. Yeah, I mean, when she first started, I was like, I guess I, you know, you're young, you know, you don't you don't connect all the dots. I didn't. So when she said, you know, eat the soup and eat the salad, initially I was like, cool, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that big of a deal, you know. I was like, all right, I'll eat it. And you know, in my head, I was like, well. Maybe I can eat it all, who knows, right? So I wasn't alarmed when I first started um, cause I was just like, well, I'm gonna eat till I'm full and then she'll make me go to my room. I didn't really understand the punishment when it started um, until, <clears throat> until I started getting full. And that's when she said, no, you're gonna keep eating it. And it just continued. And so every time I'd stop, and if I, you know, you know, like you get full, just like you and I get full, like you can't eat anymore. And so at the minute that I put my spoon down, um, she'd come running over and she's like, nope, you know, you need to keep eating it. So that's kind of how that started. And you got to the point where you did throw up in the, in both in the bowl. Oh she, yeah. Like I threw up all over it. And she covered it and put it in the refrigerator and said that was what you were eating the rest of the week, I believe is how the story. Well, yeah. So basically what happened is I told her I'm not touching it. Like it's got throw up in it. You know, I'm looking down at it. There's throw up all over everything. And she said, fine. So she, she walks over to the, and I don't remember if she got it or she made me get it. It's been so long. I don't remember, but she, one of us went and got the, the saran wrap. 
and she's putting the saran wrap over the over the stuff and she's like that's fine i'm going to put it in the refrigerator and you can eat it for you can eat it tomorrow and i didn't actually think she was serious you know like i thought she was just i didn't i don't know what i thought at the time i just didn't actually think she was serious but the next day breakfast rolled around it's time for breakfast and here she comes she walks over to the refrigerator grabs the pot and the the this bowl the bowls from the refrigerator she takes the saran wrap off the top and she sets them down in front of me she's like this is breakfast i told you it was going to be breakfast and you're going to keep eating this until it's gone or you don't eat at all so i you know like by that time i'd already I'd already been through like days and days without food, you know, like if you've ever been starved, it hurts. It's quite painful when you get to that point. So I'd already known what going without food for days at a time meant. And I wasn't interested in going without food. And I also wasn't interested in getting hit. So, you know, in my mind, eating it was the next best option. So I just plugged my nose and chewed because, you know, when you plug your nose and chew, you don't taste anything. So that's how I got it down. And so that, when I heard that in the documentary, it was, I mean, it just made my blood boil. When I read your book and realized that that was just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. So from that point, you then, and we talk about the theme of running and then you kind of, you, you moved in with your mom Mm -hmm. and then you spent some time there and things, there were some bad times there as well. You then very difficult times. Yeah. Then you moved to Texas. Yep. And hit some bad things there. Gets worse. Yep. Yeah. You moved back to Washington you moved back to Texas. Yep. And then finally, you were going to move to New York, right? I wanted to. Yeah. But eventually, you ended up going to Minnesota. Right, which is where I live now. Right. And you, you, ended, you finished running. You right. found that, right? So that's kind of a theme one through the book. Mm-hmm. Theme two to me is faith. Whether, whether you knew you had it at the time or not. Faith is a very strong presence in this journey through, through the book. I would definitely agree with that. Right. Even, even at times you didn't know you had it, mm-hmm. you had it. Yes. And then the last one is that it becomes a journey of self-reflection. Yes. In order for you to find peace. Yes. A a lot of self-reflection, self-awareness, just exposure to things I'd never thought about. Um, Finding that, that, you know, we can become our own enemy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that you can't run from the problem. Well, I mean, 
I thought it would work. <laughs> you definitely tried. <laughs> I tried. Um, but no, you know, I, I, I always thought when I did it, it was going to work. But um, it catches up to you every time. Yeah. And so th- those were the three strong themes for me yep. while reading yeah. it. Yep. Um, I also kind of to backtrack just a tiny bit. Okay. I heard a quote that you said in your documentary that your weight loss journey wasn't a weight loss journey. Do you remember that? Um, do you remember yeah, saying that? I, I do. Yeah. You said, but a journey of discovering you and what you were capable of. Yes. And what's funny is when we looked, when you first told me about the book, mm-hmm. you know, my first thought is I know Athena as, you know, the weight loss queen. I'm sure it's a book about weight loss mm-hmm. and it is the furthest thing from a weight loss book. Um, I'm glad we're actually talking about this. Excuse me. Biz. <laughs> Sun drift. <laughs> This burp is brought to you by Sundrift. You, you don't even have to bleep that out, Scott. We'll just keep that in there. That little fizz moment brought to you by Spindrift. And I'll toast you with my O2. <laughs> mm. O2, not carbonated, so that you, know, you don't I've never, get... I've never tried those, by the way. I don't know why O2 isn't sending me a bunch of those. <laughs> well, O2 is in... They are actually from my hometown here in Columbus. Are they really? Yeah. That's why you got the hook up there local. Yeah. Unbelievable. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, O2. <laughs> you'd like to. All right. O2, so you're hearing that, it right here. Now that we've added some brevity to our <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I love it. Um, your book, Not Being a Weight Loss Story. I, I think that, honestly, I, I think that that's um, surprised a lot of people already. There's about... Um, Oh, I think about 10 um, readers now that have gotten the opportunity to do pre-reads. Um, and I think that that has been the number one comment thus far is that they're surprised that it's not a weight loss book. I think naturally people assume that was what it was going to be about. And I'm not going to say that there's not an undertone of that in the book, but that's not the central theme. I think you would agree. I completely agree. And I think that and, you know, not to get off too much tra- to- yeah. topic, but, um, but weight loss is never about weight loss. If you don't gain no. weight and just say, I'm going to reverse this, there's yeah. some underlying issue that yeah. always has to be solved for you to figure out so that you can lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm actually hoping um, that this book gets some exposure with um, some of our fellow coaches. Um, because I think that one of the biggest misnomers about people that need to lose a lot of weight or even just some weight, but when obesity is a problem, um, I think that there's this under misunderstanding, shall I say, that all they need to do is stop eating. Um, and it couldn't be further from the truth. Does that make sense? I think, yeah, obviously it would. It makes sense for us, right? Exactly. Um, I think that there's this misunderstanding 
in our community and that every coach that believes that if they come up with the perfect nutrition plan, that that's going to solve somebody's weight problem. And what they don't understand is that weight is usually the weight itself is not the problem. Food by itself is not the issue. It's what they're using food to deal with. It's how they're using food to deal with whatever it is that's going on. So unless you deal with whatever it is that's going on, it doesn't matter what nutrition plan that you put them on. They won't be successful doing it. It's like you're reading my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You read mine all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, so if people are expecting a weight loss book, yeah, it's, I would say it's, it's bigger than that. Right. Weight loss is one issue in the world. Right. And you experience other issues that have nothing to do with weight gain Mm -hmm. and things that you have to overcome that are much bigger than weight loss. I think that, yeah, yeah, I, I, Now the problems that have caused com- some weight gain, but yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, it, it's, it's, I, I think it's a much more complicated issue than people realize. When, when you see somebody overweight in the grocery store, it's not because they're just sitting at home eating a box of Twinkies. It's complicated. And I think that that was, um, I think the book does a very good job. I don't want to toot my own horn. But I think it does a good job at illustrating that it's a much more complicated issue. And I think you do that well because the issues that you have to battle through yeah. are much more complex than a right. simple weight gain issue. Yeah, it's not, um, it's not that simple. Reading the book, I, I have so much admiration for you. The, the strength that you had to overcome a lot of the things in this book just blew me away. Thank you. you. So where are we at here in my notes? (laughs) Um, So the book kind of goes through all these things that you face, right? Right. Um, It's this moment in Washington and this moment in Texas and So when you were going through these issues, you didn't take on small issues. Uh, The book demonstrates some pretty major issues that you went through. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've, I've told people before, it's not like an autobiography, you know, like it doesn't list every single thing that's happened to me. So there was very specific examples that were used. So it just happened to be the best examples that described it described the scenery, the feelings and the scenery the best. So um, the most impactful examples were used. Yes. Yeah. Even if that was just, if that's just the high notes of your issues, yeah. um, you're, you're just one strong woman. Thank you. Um, so, so with the book, you mm-hmm. actually, at the end of each chapter, when I read it had just a small little lesson, kind of a self-reflection thing that you put at the end. And uh, you've changed that up a little bit and it's actually kind of a really cool concept. Yeah. So can you share with the listeners what you've done to kind of beef that up a little bit? Yeah. Um, 
that's something super fun to talk about. So um, I don't know where the idea came from. Um, um, yes, yes, I do. Um, so <laughs> wait a minute. Hold on. Yes, I do. Um, so Greg, we can we can probably talk about him too. Yeah, he's he's um, next in my notes. So yeah. So, so we can combine this together for me too. <laughs> so Greg said, "Hey, you know, I love these lessons, and they're and they're super impactful. Um, but we want to expand on each one um, just a little bit more." So initially, I was like, <laughs> I was so exhausted at just the thought of having to go back and write all of these lessons all over again. Cause I'm like, this is going to be so much more work, you know, like who's exhausted. And, um, so I got the idea to bring in some friends, some people and, and amazing people that I've met along the way. Um, some people that I didn't know, but I knew them, um, people that inspired me. Um, Tasia was one of them. And so essentially what Tasia percentage, right? And, um, so each lesson, some of them were just mine because, um, they were very specific and I couldn't really team up. Um, but some of the lessons, um, were general enough to be able to collaborate with, you know, another person. And I think, um, I think the reason why I wanted to do the collaborations was to, you know, pull other um, members from the CrossFit community together in this. And it was a very personal book, but um, I wanted to basically demonstrate that we all bleed the same. Um, all of our stories are different, um, but we all bleed the same way. And we all have stories. They may sound a little bit different, but we all feel the same thing. And so you had Tasia Persevich, you yep. had Rory McKernan. Yep. Um, I don't want to mess up Tyson. I know like, Oh gosh, I hope I don't, I hope I don't yeah. miss anybody. Okay. So we had Rory, Tasia, Tyson, Oldroyd. We have Mike Kozlap, that guy we were talking about earlier. Um, we have coach Knight, Chase Knight. We have um, Sarah Critch. She is a she's a coach here. Uh, let's see. We have Al Sangapolatelli. He was another um, journal story. Um, Justin Gert was also another journal story. Who am I missing? I know. I know that you have read Jen Pendleton. Jen Pendleton. She's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> Wasn't she the first one? She was the first one. Yeah. She actually yeah. does the first two. Um, Jen is awesome. She's another fellow L1 and she's got an amazing story of her own. And so you actually read a couple to me. Yeah. Just to get my opinion, because I'd read the, the short version. Right. And then you read a couple to me and man, I was blown away. Just because you get kind of that other person's perspective of that situation mm -hmm. and some outside influence into that lesson. It was, I, I can't wait to read them all. They were, um, they, I, I can't believe they, they, they really came together. I don't know what I had envisioned, but they, 
it was neat to be able to collaborate with just so many amazing people. So you mentioned Greg Amundsen, not by full name at the beginning of this. Yeah. And he came up with this idea and yeah. he plays, he plays a huge role in this book. He does. Before, before even either of you really knew he was going to play a huge role. He played a mm -hmm. huge role. Mm -hmm. So you, I, I don't want to spoil too much, but you had a chance meeting with him. Yes. Uh, where you got to meet him and it, and it was just an unexpected kind of thing. Very unexpected for both of us. And this story is in the book, so I don't want to give it away. Correct. Uh, but he gives you a book that kind of inspires the direction of this book. Yes. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could talk about this part, right? Like, yeah, um, I, I want to leave that up to you. Yeah, it, I mean, we can tell that part. Okay. Um, so Greg gave me a copy of The Warrior and the Monk. And it wasn't until I read this book that I realized where the book needed to go. Um, because I felt like I had read my story when I read it. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, this is where the book needs to go. Like I knew, like I had my answer. And so you actually met him while you were getting your L1. Yep. Not, not in the L1 class. It, again, it was a very chance meeting. Mm -hmm. You read that book on the plane ride home. Yep. And that kind of made that direction go. Fast forward, what, two years later? Yeah. You're in a Bible study. Mm -hmm. with Greg. <laughs> yeah. And he makes an announcement that you didn't know he was going to make. I did not. I did not. So he, he said, Athena, we need to, we need to, you know, get this book published. And I was like, um, it was shocking because we never had a conversation about the book. So like, again, it was just one of those second things that, you know, like, I think when people read the book, they'll understand how all this works. Um, but it was just as shocking and it was just how, how things line up. Sometimes we, we, we don't understand. Um, it's going to give it away, but it's, it's powerful. It is. And my favorite, my favorite line that you told me in that story was that you said to him, but you haven't even read the book. And he yeah. said, but I know the author. That's right. That's right. And That's so Greg, Greg's company is publishing your book. Yes. Eagle Rise Publishing. And so that it wasn't even expected. You were going to self-publish was your kind Correct. of your plan. Yeah, that was always my plan. I, I never really thought about it. But, um, you know, the funny thing is, is that it couldn't have been more appropriate. Um, but it was shocking because he didn't know that he had become part of my story. And then, yeah, it was. Yeah. From, from an outsider, it is one of the coolest stories. <laughs> I, and being, being your friend during that time was so much fun as all that was kind of developing. 
Uh, yeah, that's right. It, it developed real time, like live with you, right? Right. I call Scott on the phone. I'm like, can you believe this is happening? This is the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. Because uh, we usually talk midweek and you yeah. called me on a Sunday. Yeah. Like, that never happens, guys. We always talk on Wednesdays. Maybe a Thursday if maybe things get Thursday. crazy. <laughs> maybe Thursday. <laughs> so, so your book's being published. It is now out for pre-sale yes. on Kindle, on Amazon. Yeah, you know, Amazon doesn't let us do pre-sales on the paperback. So um, paperback will be out later in August or uh, July. And you tried to explain to me that it's hard to get a, a, a specific date with Amazon. And... It's not, I mean, it's not hard to get a date. I mean, your publishing date is whatever you say it's going to be. Okay. The system so maybe is I misunderstood that part. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it, it's, it's basically whatever you tell it. The complicated thing is just getting all those little details ready. So it, it takes a little bit to. Yeah. So you've been live on, on Kindle like, mm-hmm. for presale. Right. You have been number one, I think I lost count, in categories. Uh, it has been a best new release in four different categories, maybe five. Yeah, so, so you lost count too. I did. <laughs> uh, I, you know, they, they change all the time, but um, in categories that I wasn't expecting, I couldn't have asked for, for better. Yeah. So when does it go live on Kindle? Do we know that date yet? Yeah. So um, the book gets released on Kindle on July 7th. July 7th. I know. I know. It's like, it's like uh, less than two weeks away. I can't believe it. Wow. Oh my goodness. You believe it. My heart just skipped a beat. So. Mine too. So, and then the paperback, the target area is early August. Uh, end of July, uh, either that last week of July through, it's like the 28th through the 4th, somewhere in there. Okay. So excited. I know. I know. It's exciting. And, uh, and so I'm going to put up a picture of the cover of the book. Yes. Right here. And this is what you're looking for when you go to the store to buy it. Can you believe it? So I just want to finish up with just some friendly talk. Um, You know, I could not be more excited for you. Uh, The amount you've put into this book and as inspiring as it was, you are to me. I mean, you were inspiring to me in 2018 before I knew you. Uh, And when I got to meet the real Athena, there was no disappointment. Uh, you're just as inspiring and such a good friend. And I could not be more excited for you. That means so much, man. I, 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 I value our friendship a lot and it's, it's a crazy small world. And you know, the, the things that, that people are able to connect over because it's a shared um, response. um, It's just it truly is a, an amazing thing. So to end on a funny note or a, a, an inspiring note, uh, we have, 
I don't know if we want to disclose it here, but we've decided to do something a little crazy. Really? Yeah, you texted me last Friday. Oh my gosh. We. Yes, we. we. <laughs> I was like, I thought I thought like somebody was gonna pop out behind the door or something oh. there. <laughs> <laughs> I was no. like no. What's gonna happen? This right isn't. Now? This is your life or anything. Um, I was like, what? we didn't talk about this, Scott. Well, yeah, but we talked about it, just not for this. Yeah, you know, like we should tell everybody what we're doing. You know, I feel like we should have Al joining us and Jen. I feel like all four of us. Well, should be here we should do week. another podcast with all of us because we totally we, should. We, we should all kind of have that thing. similar story. All four of us, yes. Yeah. And we've all been through a lot. Yep. And uh, the three of you have journal stories. Um, Jen doesn't. Oh, she doesn't? Oh, good. No. Now I'm not the only one. No, no. No, <laughs> but you, she Jen. should. She should. And so Athena had this. We've actually talked about it for a couple months. We have. When you did a podcast with someone who did an event this year. Uh, called Wadapalooza. Yes. Jason Wadapal- Weiss. Yeah. Great episode on your podcast. Thank you. Um, he did the beginner division at Wadapalooza as an individual athlete. That's right. Right. So they actually have a team division mm-hmm. for beginners. And Athena, myself. Yep. Al mm-hmm. and Jen yep. are going to do the, do the online qualifier to try to yep. get into the beginner division. That's right. At Wadapalooza. Can you believe it? I, I don't know about you, man, but I'm just so excited. I think like for me, like uh, to be able to even think about something like that after the injuries that you've been recovering from the injuries you know just learning how to walk again you know like i hope i don't cry i mean it's just it i mean it's amazing that i just feel so lucky i'm so excited so we're asking all of you to cheer us on yes and root us on uh to get us to miami next i think next may yep I, you know, I'm waiting for the, the dates. I, I had it originally posted. I got ahead of myself on the stories because I thought that the qualifier was going to be in December, um, but they hadn't changed the boards on that. So I think the, the qualifier is going to be in January. Okay. So I know that's they, even so, better because that gives us more time. So Wadapalooza is generally like end of January, beginning of February, and they actually yeah. moved it to May next year i got i got one word for that man sticky sticky like it's gonna be like it's gonna be hot it's gonna be hot but but i've lived in florida you know and i was running away from my problems no (laughs) there you go (laughs) Um, it'll feel like san antonio all over when you're near the ocean which wadapalooza is right on the ocean you do get a really nice breeze so it's not sticky. It may be hot. You know, I was telling, um, I don't know if this actually, I can't remember if this actually went into the podcast or not, 
but me and Jason were talking about sharks, right? And making a joke that one of the activities, one of the events is actually called shark bait. Like for people that don't know, like I have this horrible fear of sharks. I did. So I went out. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't fear many things, but I saw way too many. I, I saw the movie Jaws when I was young way too many times. It scared the hell out of me, okay? It's the same thing that happened with Children of the Corn, okay? I will never go wander around in a cornfield in Ohio. It's not going to happen. But um, – Was that a jab at me since I live in Ohio? <laughs> did I just say that? You did. Um, yeah, I took a jab at the Ohio cornfields, man, but Minnesota cornfields are just as bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so I'm trying to conquer my fear of this whole shark thing. Right. So I went out and I got, uh, uh, what do you call those? Um, so my swimming attire has jaws on it. So I feel like it's a good first step to, to help me overcome this fear of, of sharks. I think you get a kick out of it. So my fear about this whole thing is there's always a swim event at Wadapalooza. Yeah. So I was a competitive swimmer into college. Okay. So swimming was always my jam, but I have not, have not swam. Yeah. Swam in any type of capacity in 20 years. You know, for me, like, the swimming wouldn't be so bad, but like when you're carrying around extra weight, you're extra buoyant in the water. So, you know, it could be, that's always been like one of my fears. I don't really swim. I float. Did, did, <laughs> <laughs> did you have to say that when I took a drink? <laughs> uh, what? I thought I was going to spit my drink, my O2, my lovely that's what O2 I thought all I was over my screen. Do. That's what I thought. You know, like I'm, I'm just to kind of break it out and be honest kind of girl, you know, like I, I don't swim. I float. I just float along the top of the water should be an interesting event. Yeah. For me, it's that expectation thing that we talked about with going back to the CrossFit gym because I was a competitive swimmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's what's in my head and what's reality. That's true. Like how have you given that any thought? A lot of thought since you sent me that text. Really? Yeah. Like I need to get my ass in a pool and just kind of see where I'm at. So I don't overinflate my expectations. Well, you know, I haven't really given it much thought. You know, I, to be honest with you, I wasn't even thinking about swimming. Maybe I should. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking about swimming. I was thinking more like, uh, um, the activities like with my legs, you know, like I was thinking about like, golly, like what if they have us run, you know, like I don't know how to run yet. Um, I, every, I mean, every time I try to run the, the legs, you know, they get like a little off balance. So, um, but you know what, like, I, I feel like we should just go and have fun and we just do this qualifier and, and just have fun doing it. You know, like who cares? Yeah. We got to get through the qualifier first. I should. I was like, we're all talking that. about going to Wadapalooza. We haven't right. even made a classic qualifier, but you know, that's the, that's that good stuff that you have to send out there. Right. We are going to Wadapalooza. Right. We are. So It's going to happen. So this o2 has been is awesome. Sponsor our team. Oh, 
They just found out today. <laughs> and spin drift. Spin drift. And uh... um, so this has been an awesome, awesome podcast for me. Um, I love you to death, my friend. I love you, um, too, man. You are, you are such a strong woman and such an inspiration. And I hope that your book goes gangbusters and the world gets to see kind of what you've overcome uh, and how you've overcome it. Cause I think that's super important. Well, I, I appreciate it. You know, like this is the first time um, since the book was done that I've, you know, just been able to talk about what it is and it's awesome. It's really cool. I, I appreciate it so much. All right. Well, thank you, Athena, for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends. Love you guys. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube, as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.